All right, well, we are going to talk about New Year's tonight. Every, every time New Year's approaches, I'm sure, I, I don't know, do, I always have a lot of, like, <laughs> strategies and goals and visions and everything that I'm thinking through, and I'm going to re, reorder this and organize this. And um, I get going on all of that, and then I pull back and say, no, what do I really need to focus on for this year? And last year, I don't know if you remember, uh, some of you, a lot of you weren't here, um, some of you were, but last year at this time, I talked about not making New Year's resolutions, but make New Year's resignations, resigning yourself to uh, the will of God and waiting on God and allowing Him to shape your desires and not letting your own desires, both good and worldly, right, and not letting your own desires shape your vision for the year. Um, there's a lot, I mean, we, we are just inundated with self-help and uh, life hacking and all sorts of things that, and, and productivity and all this stuff that can cause you to have a very successful year in some metrics. <laughs> but it can also cripple you from the real uh, success in the kingdom so I pulled up my notes from last year, and there's a lot, there's a lot on there that I want to not, not revisit. I, I want to ta- talk about it a little, a little differently. But the main idea that I was trying to communicate last year and kind of setting vision for uh, this, this past year was that we need to frame the whole notion of New Year's resolutions um, not with questions like, what do I want to accomplish this year? Uh, that you can have, there are just apps and, and notebooks and daily planners and all this stuff where you can do habit tracking and, and I'm going to do X number of, I'm going to write this many creative paragraphs and I'm going to do this. And um, we need to sweep all that aside. Um, less, what should I get better at this year? And more, what does God desire in my life? And in my church this year, how can I yield myself to him this year in such a way that my life facilitates his desires coming to pass? How can I make myself the kind of person that when God wants something from me or through me, my life is such that it, it responds to, to that desire of God's. And our church is such that it responds to those desires of God. And these desires are both eternal Right, the eternal purposes, but they are also for now. God has something this year that he wants me to do. He has something this year that he wants this church to do. Um, and so I, I do want to revisit this idea, but I also want to do it from the angle of uh, a couple of places in Matthew that I've been meditating on this week. Um, but before that, I, I want to remind us, and this this may become an annual tradition for us, Um, I think it should be, uh, to go to Proverbs 29, 18. Proverbs 29, 18. Everybody know what it says? Somebody should know what it says. Where there is no vision... ESV says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Blessed is he who keeps the law. 
King James, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This is a life verse for a lot of us around here. Um, For me, certainly. And for our churches. Um, We have clung to this. It's one of the core verses that we build around. There has to be a vision. And the way that this verse is set up is really interesting. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Blessed is he who keeps the law. So, keeping the law and having prophetic vision are parallel. Okay? And casting off restraint and blessing are set as opposites. And vision here doesn't mean the self-help vision, the vision statement. (laughs) doesn't mean the goals. Uh, It means... A revelation of the word of God. A revelation of who God is and what he desires. The commandments of God. The way he desires us to live. So where there is no vision of who God is and what he wants. It says the people cast off restraint. Their desires take them in a thousand different directions. Based on their personal preferences. A great example of this is in Exodus 32, right after, while Moses is up on the mountain, receiving the vision, the prophetic vision, the word of God, the pattern for the tabernacle, the people are down worshiping an idol according to their own desires and are going in a thousand different directions. The people have casted off restraint. (laughs) And that verse is is a living example of where there is no vision. They say, what has become of this man, Moses? Come, make for us gods who will go before us. And we worship them. The people had a desire and a need to worship. Uh, and then, but then they had a particular, they didn't have the vision so that the, the, the expression of that need, the fulfillment of that need came from within their own minds. What it looks like to make a God is this. Okay, And Moses, in, in the meantime, is up receiving the actual vision. This is what God is like. This is what his house looks like. Um, So, keeping his law and having prophetic vision are two sides of the same coin. Um, And happiness and blessing follows vision and keeping of the law. Um, I talked about those things last year when we talked about New Year's stuff. Uh, We encourage everybody to have vision. Um, I'm going to talk about vision here in a second. But I I do want to go to Matthew now. And this is what I've been meditating on this week. So at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which we've said is a, an echo, a parallel, or you could say a fulfillment of Moses going up on the mountain, receiving the word from God and delivering it to the people. Here's Jesus, the new and better Moses, um, going up on the mountain and, and the people drawing to him and him delivering the word of God. And the, the Sermon on the Mount ends like this, Matthew seven twenty four. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Jesus is, he has just described for us the way of life in one of the finest passages that we have on what it means to be in in the kingdom of God, to live in the Father's house. And he says, but the... It's, the, it's not just the hearing of the word that we're after. It's the doing of the word. In keeping of the law, blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But blessed is the one who keeps the law. Um, and the thing that was sticking out to me this week is how closely this parallels Matthew 16. Uh, starting in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven... And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the winds came and the floods came, and nothing happened to the house, because it was founded on the rock. And here Jesus says, I'm building a house, and I'm not going to build it on sand. I'd never thought of this about Jesus. God himself builds his house in this way. What does he build his house on? The rock. Where Jesus, where, where someone has received a true revelation, prophetic vision of Jesus and who he is and says, you are the one. You are the pattern. You are the life. You are the way. And God, in building his house, sees that heart and says, I'm going to build there. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God himself is wise. He is a wise builder, and he knows where to build his house. So the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus is the rock we build upon, which includes the words, but also the deeds. And Jesus is very clear to say, whoever hears these words of mine and does them is like a man who builds his house on the rock. In other words, the one who lives the life. And this is where where Jesus builds his church. I build it on the one who really lives the life, who understands it in a way that human imagination can't come up with. Flesh and blood can't dream this up. The Father from heaven has to reveal it to you. So it's not enough to admire from a distance, to know about, to know what the Scripture says, to be familiar with his teachings. We must seek, and this is what, this is what Jesus tells his disciples, those who would come after him, and this is where Jesus, this is how he is building his church. With those who seek to walk as him and to imitate him. Building on the rock is not 
It's not even applying scripture to our lives. I don't really like that phrase. Because it sounds like a self-help book. Here's my life. And if I can just apply more scripture to my life, my life will be good. It's like if I just apply more lotion to my hands, they will stop being so dry. <laughs> it's like we're, we're some dry hands walking around and, and we need the lotion of the word. Right? And I know there's a, there's a faithful sense in which that phrase is used. And I'm not... But it's not just applying Scripture to your lives. It's submitting your life to be shaped by the revelation of Jesus in Scripture. Which is different. You can read the Sermon on the Mount and say, Oh yeah, okay, alright. I need to not be angry. What this is telling me is that I shouldn't be angry. That's true. But why is it telling you that? Because that's not how the heart of God functions. And you, we were called to respond and be filled with the very heart of God. And so, don't be angry is not what God's after. God's after God, what God's after is sons who will share his heart. And this is why applying scripture, scripture to our lives can really get us into trouble. Because we can even hear the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus was apparently aware of this potential that those who would hear but not do. <laughs> and they would pocket it and go, man, that's a great, that's one of the best sermons I've ever heard. And it's just ironic to me that this is the, this is the one passage of Scripture that all you know, secular ethicists look to and say, you know, there's, some, there's something really here. You know? We should listen to this section. People are hearing it and hearing it and hearing it all through the ages. But who's doing it? Who is doing it? So, building on the rock is responding obediently to Scripture. It's, it's letting Scripture come in and shape. But it's more than that. It's letting the, the Holy Spirit, the living and act, active breath of God, the nudging of the Holy Spirit moment to moment, it's being pliable to those things. Hearing and doing. Revelation and obedience. This is what the, the proverb is, is telling us. Where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keepeth the law. Um, doing the word involves um, risk. Trying. Attempting, possibly failing, needing adjustment. And this is, this is what God is looking for. He can, he can get us to where we, we need to be, but he can't make us want to follow him. Does that make sense? Once we're following him, and you see this in Peter's life, once we're all in, you know, He's kind of, you know, bless your heart. I'm going <laughs> to help you out. But we have to go all in. It's an all-encompassing endeavor. Trying to do the will of God. Trying to hear the word of God and do it. It means experimenting. Right? But we don't, 
we don't want to do that. We want neat boxes. We want, tell me what to do and I will do it. Then I can check it off. But that's, uh, to me, that is still just hearing the word and not letting it embody who we are. The old commandment that's always been there is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. And this is what Jesus is calling, uh, this is what, what he's calling his disciples to in the sermon, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. But it's also where he is looking to found his church. He's looking for those lives that are all in. So we will be building this year. Right, this is, we, we will build something this year. A year will, will elapse, 2020, and you will have built something. You will have done something. What are you building? What are we building? And what are we building upon? What are we founding our decisions on? Jesus is calling us to build our house on the rock. Build our individual lives, us personally, as individuals. Our individual will to build that on the rock. Sermon on the Mount points us specifically to attitudes of the heart. Anger, lust, judgment, posturing. Um, and it, it points us to an intimate relationship with the Father against outward show of religion. Are you going to work to build that this year? To, to try and imitate, imitate the attitudes, not just the, imitate the very attitudes of Jesus. To handle your anger the way Jesus would handle it. To handle temptation to lust the way that Jesus would handle it. Could, can you try to do that? Could you make an attempt <laughs> to be as pure, to be as self-controlled as Jesus? Could you make an attempt to have such a close walk with the Father as Jesus? That's what he's calling us to. And he says, if you hear him... Do it. Try and do it. Even if it's dry, even if you don't get much out of it, do you go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is in heaven? Do you even try? Do you seek Him in the Word? Even when, ah, I'm not really really feeling it today. I feel like my eyes are just kind of... Are you really trying? Are you really seeking the Father? Do you have a secret place with the Father? Jesus points us over and over to your Father who sees you in secret. Do you give things that only He knows about? Do you even try? And this is what He's calling us to do. So we build our individual lives on the rock. I would also say that we, in looking toward this year, we want to build our families, our households on the rock. Um, what are we founding? What do we base our family life or what do we revolve around? You know, what are, what's, 
What's at the center of the memories we want to make this year? What do we hope our kids remember and why? Is it the rock? Is it, are those things on the rock? Are they based in hearing and doing the will of God? And then Christ is building his church. He's building us, the community. He is, he's establishing his household, his dwelling place, in those lives that are built upon the rock. <clears throat> and so there's, there's a string of parables uh, close to the end of Matthew. And this is sort of my way of, of approaching this section of Matthew that we haven't really talked a lot about, if, if, if any. Uh, but it's in this, this final long discourse. right? In the, in the last section of Matthew, uh, there's, there's one discourse where he's, he's pronouncing the woes upon the Pharisees. But then there's this one where he's talking about the close of the age and the coming destruction of Jerusalem and uh, the coming of the Son of Man. And, and kind of the space of time that we have now between right now and the moment Jesus comes to put all things to right and to close the current age. And it's called the Olivet Discourse. And I just want to read some of these to, to, to posture us toward the coming new year. Right? With, this, with this in mind about building your house on the rock, what does it look like? Um, I want you to hear some of these parables about the stewardship we have and about the responsibility we have with the time that this year will represent. Um. 24, Matthew 24, we start in verse 36. Concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of God, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came, And swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And two men will be in the field. And one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this. That if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming. He would have stayed awake. And would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? This word wise, uh, Proverbs is a book of wise sayings. Jesus says, "The, the one who is wise will build on the rock. Whom his master set, has set over his household, building a house, to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Do you hear that? Do you hear the echoes of what we're talking about? Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed, he who keepeth the law, blessed is he. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. 
But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, it begins to beat his fellow servants. In other words, have bad relationships. <laughs> and eats and drinks with drunkards. In other words, get drawn away into the pleasures of the, of the world. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour that he does not know and will cut him in pieces and will put him with the hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? It's someone who hears and knows but doesn't do. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the kingdom will be like ten virgins. And there's this parable after parable of the, the readiness that the, that the master is looking for. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Which is what he says right before he gives the final exhortation in the Sermon on the Mount. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And I will say, I don't know you. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. We know the story. I'll skip down. And he says, the, the one with five, he says, here's five more. The one with two, he says, here's two more. Verse 23, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. His master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested the money with the bankers. And at my coming, I... I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, in one sense, this is a lot of these are really aimed at the Pharisees. Right, The ones who had been given all the blessings, all the benefits of the covenant, all the faithfulness of God, and had not produced anything uh, of lasting value. The, the master was here. Jesus was on the scene. And what does, he, what, do, what does Israel have to show for all the blessings that have been poured out on it? Not much. 
Um, but in another sense, it's aimed at anyone who has received a revelation of who God, who God is, who has been blessed by the grace of God, who has been blessed by uh, receiving the word of God, by hearing the teachings of God. All of those are, are rich blessings and stewardships that as soon as they're given to you, you're responsible for what to do with them. And the master comes and he expects, what did you do with that which was graciously given to you? So last year, what was on my heart was that we would enter into a place of deeper um, restraint of our own ideas and goals and visions for our lives. Um, And to, to really see the vision, to see what we're doing and to yield ourselves to that. This year, I'm, I'm calling us um, to a year of active obedience, of stepping out of comfort zones, of, of acting on what we know, on acting of what we've seen and what we've been taught. And I guess the best way to describe it was to busy ourselves this year with the things that we want the master to find us doing when he returns. And in doing that, in seeking to busy ourselves with those things that we want the master to find us doing upon his return, we will be building our house on the rock. And it will be a good year. We will be building on the foundation and nothing's going to come and blow that away. Um, So that's really what was on my heart. Just the idea of building on the rock, of, of Jesus wanting to build on the rock, where people have really seen and acknowledged who he is. Uh, but but in, in these parables about biding time till Jesus comes, there's very different ways of, of living in the blessing, of living in the stewardship of the kingdom. There's a faithful way and a wicked way. Um, and again, it gets back to that verse in Proverbs, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off the restraint. They get drowsy and sleepy. They start to beat the servants. They um, get drunk. They get afraid and hide the talent. Right? We see all, all those different, there's a different personality in each of those. And then the wise ones who make a good faith attempt to live as the master would if he were here. And that's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. We might not have all the answers, but if we step forward and we say, our desire is to build, is to respond faithfully to the words that you've given us, help us, and we're going, and we're moving, and we're not distracted, and we're not hard of hearing, but we are responsive, and we're, we're taking steps forward, and we're taking risks, and we're hearing feedback and adjusting as we go. Um, that's kind of the, the heart that I have for us heading into the new year, for, for me personally, uh, and for you know, us as, as a church, as families. Um, let's, as one of my old bosses like to say, let's, let's fail forward <laughs> together. Let's keep going and, and at least try something. But when you fail, it means you've tried. Um, now, I'm not saying failure in terms of sin. I'm talking about failure in terms of, are we doing the wisest and most faithful thing? Are we doing it the way Jesus himself would do it? I don't know. I think we have, to, we have to figure it out as we go. There's a lot we do know and a lot we can be obedient to in the meantime. 
So definitely those things. But those steps forward for us, the steps of maturity, um, we just need to be very active and, and uh, aggressive almost in, in pursuing those. Amen? And, and put ourselves out there. Take risks. And that's really the word that I keep coming back to is, is taking risks. Um, taking risks. Let's, not in the, in the bad way, but let's put God to the test. He's called us to do this. He's told us to live like this. Let's see what happens if we just literally try to do just like that. And the thing is that so much grace opens up when you just head off in that direction. When you just obey, when you just get the, for me, it's, you know, I, I, I know when it's the Holy Spirit telling me to do something. And I'm like, uh, nobody would know if I didn't do that. Right. Um, but when I just step out and obey, so much grace comes in behind and resource. And it's because God builds his church on those lives that are wanting to do his will. Amen? Um, all right, well, that, that's sort of a Christmas, New Year's. Been thinking about a lot of things and reflecting a lot this week. Um, any, any response that you guys have or any, um, any questions or amens? Yeah. Um, Leonard Ravenhill has I'm not really like a quote person or even like a book reader. But, uh, this, this has stuck with me, I think, ever since I heard it. Uh, he said, uh, a revelation without obedience is worthless. Yeah. And uh, in regards to, that's just another way of saying, you know, be hearers of the word and doers. Yeah. Um, that's helped me in a, in a couple ways, um, just in the, the first sense that any revelation requires obedience. Yeah. And if after you have, I have a thought of like, uh, oh, that sounded really good, but there is no obedience that follows that, yeah. that that prompts, then that's not an actual revelation of God. Yeah. So my life is just a continuing cycle of sounds good, yeah. but not yeah. actual revelations. Um, yeah. But then also that, you know, the the word revealed in our lives requires something of us. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times for me that's felt like uh, when I as I thought on that over the years, it's felt like here's another thing to do on top of everything. But I think hearing the word and having the word reveal in our lives, there's an obedience that is not just adding. <laughs> You know something to do. There's like a freedom yeah. that comes in revelation, and Definitely. obedience is not going back to our previous way of thinking that brought bondage. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a obedience to walk in the freedom that has been revealed to us. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. Go over the vision and the goals that you set the previous year and how those are going, and then set set goals and vision for this upcoming year. And the verse that was on my heart um, as we're praying for that, uh, and I just wanted to read it, was the the one in the back about vision. Yeah. Um, it says. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run and read to it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. And just as you were, when you were talking about, the vision was really keeping the word, um, and just thinking about how the word itself was written for, for a long time, and still is. Um, <coughs> That I think, I think pressing in uh, to uh, obedience in response to the revelation of Jesus Christ and really seeking uh, to do that will bring forth a vision that is plain and can be written down um, and won't, won't remain kind of ambiguous or, I don't know, a little fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. I just hope to do, do really well at obeying this year. Um, but I think it can be the distillment. And if it's not like that, yeah, for your family, for yourself, I think, I think the vision will come. It will not lie. Yeah. It will, it will, it will come. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, I, and I think this is what we're going to end up doing, um, just the idea of vision in general and all the way from, you know, the broad meaning of that and just that, that concept in Scripture uh, all the way down to those, you know, yearly things that we call, especially the the guys to do with their families. Um, I, I wanted to spend some time in talking about that. So I think we may take these these next four weeks and just talk about vision and talk about uh, both what vision is as a concept, and then what what our vision is um, as individuals, as families, as a church. Then um, try and make it plain. So, so you can run after it. Yeah. Run your house really efficiently. Once it's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah, because I, I, I think there was one child training, one of those child training meetings that I mentioned that, and then there were a lot of questions, and I, in, in my mind, I was like, I need to come back to that and really explain that for, for the people who haven't been around you know, longer than a year or two. Um, so I think that's what we'll be doing next four weeks. Be good. Hey Amen. Anything else? We're almost home group size tonight. I think we've really heard the word of the Lord tonight. And we're responsible for it now.
And what better time to talk about vision than the beginning of 2020? Huh? 2015, yeah. It's even better. <laughs> Technically. All right, well, let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for, uh, thank you for vision. Uh, Lord, thank you for revelation. And Lord, we, we are so rich in vision and revelation, and we need the obedience and the, the fruit uh, that should follow. And so, Lord, we, we want to open ourselves up to that. I pray that you would prune us where you need to prune us, that you would lead us into this year um, really, Lord, at, at full speed. Uh, Lord, that we would be uh, growing in leaps and bounds, that each person would be responding to your word and faith, and that you would be pouring out grace on uh, on all of our efforts, Lord, that you'd establish the work of our hands. Um, Lord, lead us into this year with clear, uh, clear vision. And over these next few weeks, as we, as we talk about vision, uh, Lord, I pray that for those who have been here for a long time, that it would be uh, refocused and reclarified and uh, Lord, that, that that sense of wanting to run after it would be rekindled. And Lord, for those who have joined us in this past year, year and a half, uh, Lord, that it would be um, clarified for the first time, Lord, that, that the, the big picture would come into view. That what the work you're doing here among us, uh, as, a, as an extension of what you've been doing all along, Lord, we want to see uh, all of that. We want to see ourselves at, at the... At the front end of this story that starts in Genesis and even before then, Lord, uh, help us to connect those things. Give us the vision to see where we fit and the vision to face uh, the time that we've been given, the time that this year represents um, with, uh, with true resolve, Lord, not empty resolve, not resolutions that will uh, evaporate within a matter of weeks. Uh, but Lord, with like Jesus, who set his face toward Jerusalem, um, that we would set our face toward uh, the work that you've called us to, and that it would drive us forward, Lord, or that your kingdom would come forth, that you would build your church here uh, on whatever rocks you can find, whatever solid rocks there are in our lives, Lord, that you build your church um, on the life of your Son within us for his glory. And uh, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.